Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to yet another episode of Off the Rails Radio. I know I was just with you last night. Had a great interview with Felony Fox. And tonight we have a new guest, um, never before on Off the Rails Radio. And I'm going to go ahead and just jump straight into it and bring him on. Eddie Allen, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Tom, how are you doing tonight? Pretty fair, pretty fair. I'm glad to thank you for having me on, first of all. I mean, we're doing a lot of promotion for, for our project here. So the more ears we can get out the message to you, the better. So I'm, I'm thankful for you giving me some time to talk about it. Not a problem. Actually, Scott Diamond had mentioned you last week when he was on. Uh, talked a little bit about, about the show and about it going to TV, and we're going to get into that tonight, of course. Uh, but let's start out with you. How did? When was the first time that you seen professional wrestling? Wow. The first time I seen professional wrestling, I would have to say, was WrestleMania two. I, uh, my mom used to work at a uh, store uh, that did DVD rentals, uh, like a Kroger store, the local mom and pop deal. But uh, for a while, she worked there, and she was she did, I rented the DVD or the VHS uh, of uh, WrestleMania two, and went home and watched it that night, and I fell in love immediately. And it was fortunate for me it was at the time that WrestleMania three also happened to be out on VHS, so the next day I went and rented WrestleMania three, and that really blew my mind. The Ricky Steamboat uh, Randy Savage match, of course, everybody mentions that. Just, being mind-boggling, but also the, the Rowdy Piper, Adrian Adonis. I vividly remember that musical package that uh, that the WWF at the time put together. I think it was Frank Sinatra's My Way, and it was, uh, you know, highlighting Rowdy Piper's career, uh, you know, set to music and everything. I just remember at that age thinking how beautifully done that uh, little video package was. To kind of, even though he came back and wrestled for another 15 years, at the time that retirement package was, you know, a really well-produced video and kind of showed me, I guess, at a young age, how wrestling could be marketed in kind of an artistic way, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they was able to at the time draw you in and just keep you there. Um, I that was one of the first WrestleManias I myself had, I'd seen, and I, I was I remember me and my mother and and father went to one of the closed circuit locations to watch it. I don't obviously I was three years old. I don't remember, but I remember seeing Hogan on the big screen, and it's about all I remember. And I have a T-shirt actually from the venue. And yeah, it's just have amazing. Ever, have you ever got to see uh, Have you ever got to see Hogan live in person, even downline uh, at Lakers? I got to see him last year at a T- the TNA taping in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But never actually, and, like you know, in action in his prime, like in the, in the, no. in the late nineties. Yeah, I was, there was that uh, WCW paper he did with Ric Flair uh, in the late nineties during the whole height of the uh, the Monday Night War, and he did a cage match with Flair. I went to that one. And that was, you know, that was one of those deals where you'll never, you know, seeing Michael Jordan, you know, play basketball or, you know, that's one of those deals you'll never forget seeing that guy in person. That's that's, that's the, the guy that we all live up to be right there. He is professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Always has been, always will be. Oh, yes. All right. So when when was you able to get in, break into the business? 
Oh, it was that was about four years ago. I had a very interesting journey uh, to get to this point. I myself grew up in Indiana, and I was I'm six foot six, so I got fed basketball pretty much a steady diet all the way through. It was basketball, football, and wrestling were my main interests. And as I went to high school and through, I, I was able to take my what I consider marginal basketball skills with my height. I was able to be able to play some basketball at a very small school in Minnesota. So I traveled up to Minnesota right after I graduated high school and spent a couple of years up there. And then once the, the basketball program kind of got wind that, uh, you know, maybe they were – it wasn't the basketball player that they had. They, they kind of cut me loose after that first season. But I stayed up there for a while. And at that time, and it still does, uh, that area, the Minnesota area, is very fertile with amateur wrestling, with MMA, with professional wrestling, with boxing. It's a very, very thick scene up there in that northern Minnesota area. I actually first kind of dabbled in boxing. I became a, a, a traveling heavyweight boxer up in that area in my, in my early 20s. And did, did that for fun because I was still an athlete heart, and it kind of stung me when, you know, I, I, the thing I'd done since childhood playing basketball was kind of taken away from me. So I was looking for some other sort of athletic outlet. And I did that for a couple of years and had some had some battles, some brawls, and, and some good times up there. And I, I learned from the get-go from Jump Street that that world is very much like professional wrestling and that it's very political. And I know you hear a lot of disgruntled wrestler boxers mm-hmm. talk about the politics of the business, but it, it, it's very true. And it's very true in boxing as well. I mean, if, if, if promoters don't like you or they don't, they think they're gonna that you would whoop their their top guy. They don't want you to put you in there with the top guy yet because you know they want to make more money with that guy before somebody puts them out. So I did that for a while. And it was really fun. Um, but I came back home to where I'm from, which was from Clarksville, Indiana. I came back home uh, sometime around 2000, and I, I went on the path of the. Uh, you know, getting a family, getting a job, doing all that kind of stuff, and the whole work, breathe, die type lifestyle, which is great, but just started to feel, you know, something missing, you know, just mm-hmm. generally, you know, something, I had to do something athletically, it was just something I had to do, so I traveled, I searched around the area, and of course, OBW's right in our backyard, and I talked to Dane Davis when he was in, in Jeffersonville, I went and had a meeting with him about how they train people and this, that, and the other, and I mean, it's a good program. It was it was expensive, and it still is expensive. And and yeah. I understand that you want to get you know, the best training, but I heard a lot of stories from that camp that you know made me think twice about just you know hanging over money without any real sort of you know laid out details of what you know things are going to be done and progression of what you can expect as far as your progression as a as an athlete really. So I mm-hmm. didn't like what I, what, I, what I heard from him, and uh, so I, I started searching out other areas. But at the same time, existing with that, I had a buddy of mine who ran a music store in Clarksville. And we started dabbling in local, low-budget, like, movies, horror movies, uh, YouTube shows, things like that. We did a bunch of little goofy projects that was just, you know, us performing and our friends performing as, as bad local actors. So we mm-hmm. were cutting our teeth on how to video edit. And, and with that, I traveled up to Madison, Indiana, and started doing some training up there in a very, I don't know if you're familiar, I don't know where you're from, Tom, I apologize. So I might be saying things that only I'm, people are I'm from, Dable, from my area. I'm right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, up in Madison, Indiana, there's a federation called, uh, it was called SCW. It's been up there for almost 20 years. They're running good family-oriented programming uh, by a guy by the name of Eric Draven. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd seen their stuff on the I internet. Know. I was like, okay, that's, yeah, he's a good guy, great guy. And I saw their stuff on the internet. I didn't have any videos on the internet, but I saw their stuff posted on Facebook. And I thought, I'm going to travel up there and see. Because also, you know, doing this venture, I didn't know how it turn out. I didn't really know if I wanted to put myself out in my local community in my backyard doing this just yet. So to kind of dip my feet in the water, I went up to Madison, which was in a weird transitional period. I don't know if you, you know, I know you know Eric Draven, you said, but I don't know if you know about the period a few years ago where something had happened, but I don't think you the whole story, but something had happened where a guy named Matt Douglas that came in 
and taking control of the company and that building that they had. And he didn't like, I guess, some of the established people, Draven. Uh, there's a couple other guys uh, that were really good performers that were on the roster that he, you know, just didn't see eye to eye with. He kind of chased those guys out. And he, he wanted to do a television program. And me and my friends had been doing some video editing, and we thought, well, we can help him with this. Or at least do DVDs and start to start to produce DVDs. So we went out there, and we did uh, eight weeks of a YouTube show called SCW Ignition. And was just putting it on YouTube. And began the process of shopping it around to see, you know, if the local syndication would pick it up there. And, uh, you know, that was a weird era because, and there's a lot of workers in this area that remember the Matt Douglas ran SCW. Uh, it was hard really to get, I'm going to start talking to you from here on in prior to the next 52 minutes. I'm going to start talking to you thinking not necessarily as a wrestling booker because I'm not. That's the only thing I have to probably mm-hmm. clear up at some point in time. I'm not the booker for UWA. I'm not thinking of this as a wrestling worker or a booker. I'm thinking of this and I have been for four years, is trying to develop a TV property. So when I say these things, I'm not saying anything bad about the characters that were there or the people that were there. I was, as far as trying to get something on TV and what advertisers will accept, he was running a lot of the flamboyantly gay characters. There was like a, a male-on-male wedding that was being done, and there was another guy who had a really blatant homosexual... And those things worked in some areas, and that market it did, but he just really... There's a lot of that element yeah. that was in the show, and it made it difficult to get with sponsors. And at the same time, he had partnered up with a gentleman by the name of Rick Brady, uh, who runs D1W, Destination One Wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh-huh. You ever, you ever seen their product? They're really good. I, I like D1W I've a never, lot. They partnered up. I've, I've never had a chance to see them, but I, I know quite a few people that work from the Indiana area, like Sebastian E. Rose. And, oh, yeah. Uh, there was a bunch of guys there. I can't name them off the top of my head that if you, you name them, I'd be like, yeah, I've worked shows with them and and stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm a, they, they – they had a pretty good roster at the time. I mean, and, and Rick Brady does an excellent job of promoting that federation. He's done a really good job of building it up. They started out at Charlestown, and they've built it up pretty good uh, to where, you know, it's doing a pretty good, pretty good draw. They're now in New Albany Production House, which is a really good building to, you know, to have wrestling matches, and it would be a good building to, to film TV in if they ever look to go that route. But it's, uh, you know, he has, a, he has a very talented roster, but he partnered up with Matt Douglas, and those two guys just had issues from Jump Street, too. Uh, I was doing a bit of a deal with uh, a female wrestler, Mickey Knuckles. Um, I don't know if you know, I'm pretty sure you know, probably know Mickey. Yep. Uh, and she was she was in on a deal that we were doing. We were sort of somewhat recreating the whole Andy Coffin because I was still from a very entertainment-oriented background. Most of my fans at that time, I say fans, people that were following my career, were following me because I had a band that was really goofy and because I had all these internet shows. So the whole wrestling thing to this area in Clarkson was foreign to people. I always call them the dozens and dozens of my fans. It was four of those people, and, you know, that's the first thing they seen was me kind of interacting with Mickey. So we were going to do this kind of uh, male-female gimmick, and, you know, we did a deal where I brought her a frying pan, just all classic sexist stuff. And that got under the skin of Matt Douglas. I'm not exactly even sure why. And that became a political little deal where, you know, it became a deal between him and Rick. I think they had an argument about something else and ring rental and things like that. I don't even know, but that deal fell apart. So even if the show had cleaned up his act and, and – gotten to where it could be put on TV. It fell apart before it could. And so from there, I kind of started working for, like, two shows with D1W filming and doing their DVDs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, me and Rick are, I'm cool with Rick, but we just didn't click either. He doesn't, there's a lot of promoters in this area that I've dealt with that don't have a vision of how you need to do to do TV. What you got, the things you got to change about your program to change for TV. A lot of, a lot of guys, they want to keep on the same path of, you know, there's a longer, drawn-out period before guys will interact. They'll interact with the crowd a lot more. 
which is fine, you know, in an independent scene. You know, you've got to get the heat behind you. But when you're filming for TV, you don't have that luxury. You have to go out there from the go, through the bell rings, and you have to get into things. You know, you have to immediately mm-hmm. get into things. And sometimes, you know, the guys that are used to working eight minutes, they ask them to work four minutes. And I'm one of those guys that they've asked to work four minutes time and time again. And it sucks because there's a lot of things you'd rather you want to do other things and get more stuff in. But at the same time, you know, we're performers, and you got to tell a story. And you got to tell a story that's going to fit within the realm of what we're trying to do. So, you know. But a lot of these promoters weren't really getting that. They were still wanting to – they were basically wanting to find a way to put an independent show on TV, and that's just, just not something that worked. But it was actually great guy, so I, that didn't work there. So I went to XCW in Borden. Uh, actually, started off in New Albany, ran by a guy named Danny Walker. And, uh, again, these, all these federations, in my opinion, are good wrestling federations that if they just united a little bit more and put out a united Southern Indiana product, you know, in my head, it would be something that as a TV entity can compete with Danny Davis and maybe become a regional program. But all these guys, Rick Brady, the Madison guy at the time, uh, Danny Walker, Danny Davis over at OBW, all these people are fighting over the same, you know, couple hundred fans, basically, and it's splintering the fan base. Yep. I feel like I'm rambling right now. But it's, uh, oh, that's all right. Um, I brought you so, here for you know, <laughs> I went to XCW, and we, we tried to film uh, a TV show from there, and they had a great roster to do it. Uh, but, again, you know, Danny had a better vision, too, than, than these previous promos as far as what had to be done. But at that time, and this was the first and only time I've met uh, Ian Rotten, uh, we had a <laughs> – tell you a funny story about my once and only time I met Ian Rotten. I went out to film a show <laughs> at XCW, and they were in a, uh, they were in a little garage. And I already had conversations with a couple different local TV guys to syndicate a wrestling program. And wrestling advertising is, you know, the advertisers can get behind it, but they're not going to get behind hardcore wrestling. No. And I'm not going to say anything bad about that genre. I appreciate it. But in, even in sprinkled in in some doses, UWA does have hardcore matches, and I'm struggling right now to find a way to get that television approved because I want to. But if that's the staple, the core of your product, you're not going to get on TV. So we went out to, I went out to XCW the first time I met Danny Walker, and he put on a great show, family-friendly show. And... Mitch Ryder was there, who I've heard was a wild card, but he didn't. He, he put on a television-friendly show. So I went to a meeting that week with uh, folks from Channel 9, which is a local station in the end. I said, listen, I think I finally got what you're looking for. I found a promotion that seems like they're willing to kind of play ball and put on a TV product. I, I'm gonna, you know, I'd like to film a show and show it to you guys. And the station manager there was he's a great guy. So going home about bringing wrestling, local wrestling, because local advertising. Listen, where's that in Albany? I'll come check out the show with you. I'll come meet the guys, da 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 this is wonderful. Thank you so much. So we go out there that night, and, you know, Ian's riding the first time I met him. He's in the ring. He's doing a little training seminar with some guys. And it's like, oh, it's Ian Rotten. I've never seen his face. I've heard about his, you know, match with the glass on his fist and everything, you know, whatever. He was in ECW. Oh, that's great. I'll, you know, introduce myself and be respectful. And that's it. And he was pretty cool. And I shook his hand. And he said, uh, you know, I've heard a lot about you. And he said, don't believe everything here. And I'm, you know, okay, whatever. And, you know, and, you know, it was cool. But that night, he was scheduled to wrestle a guy by the name of Simon Says in a ladder match, and Danny Walker, who's a great guy, walked up to him, you know, before, I pulled up, you know, walked up to him and explained to him, you know, that, hey, we've got a guy that's from a TV station tonight. We're trying to, you know, maybe make a push to get on local television. You know, your match tonight is going to be a ladder match. Could you not, you know, go with the, the color until we get later in the match? Could you, you know, could you hold off on certain things? And, you know, absolutely, that's cool. That's great. You guys are good TV. That's really cool. You know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know. This thing's, you know, I was a little bit worried about, but, I mean, he's on board. So we go out there. The whole night's great. The, the TV guy's loving it. It comes to the main event, and he has this match with Simon Says. And I'm telling you, it's it was basically a snuff film. I mean, the guy, I mean, it's it's they, our, one of our camera guys was 
had he was he was freaked out by it. I mean, a grown man was freaked out by the level of violence and gore. At one point in time, he even had a a chain that was uh, like a chain you drag a tow truck with, and he was just carrying around, and it got wrapped around the leg of a table that had a chair on top of it. And he got mad, and he flung the chain as far as he could, and it flung the chair and the table into the crowd with the fan. The fans had to scatter literally like five feet away from my TV executive. And, you know, basically in my eyes, and I mean, I never talked to him about it, and I don't care at the time. At the time, I, in my eyes, I thought to myself, he runs his own federation. He heard that somebody else might be getting TV. So he did what he could to stop it. And that's kind of gangster in a way. It's kind of funny. He kind of went over on me, but I didn't forget that. And I remember to myself thinking, you know, I'm going to still try this, and I'm going to get it going. And when I do, I'm not going to invite a guy like that to my federation because, or to where I'm working with because I can't trust a guy like that. that you know, we've got an opportunity, and there's somebody in the crowd that can give this federation a chance to move to the next level. And for whatever reason, he just he nixed it. Or maybe he didn't like being told what to do with Matt. I don't know. I never asked. I don't really care. But that was my first and only meeting with him, and I just remember, okay, you know, he gave me a FU, and I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember how that tasted. So that's yeah, I can, the deal. I can oh, honestly – I'm sorry. I can honestly say that I have never heard a positive story about Ian Rotten. Ian Rotten. No, I do hear him, and I mean, I can't confirm any of the other ones because I wasn't there. That's the only one that I can, that can confirm happened to me, and, and, you know, there's a lot of bad ones out there. He's, he's yeah. not a very popular guy, but he has his, his roster – there's some talent on there. His mm-hmm. roster will follow him through the gates of hell. And that's, you know, it's that Paul Heyman kind of attitude of, you know, people will since they've given them, you know, he gave them breaks, they'll, they'll follow him. And that's that's awesome. But I've said it a million times, and I, I continue to say it. I have never looked at what I do, because I'm not a booker. I, uh, the guy who books UWA is a guy by the name of uh, uh, Corey Patrick, who, who wrestled there as well. And there's there's a brain trust. It's not just one guy that books. There's a handful of guys that are funny uh, as a booker and, there's a couple of guys that own it that are necessarily they don't really necessarily book, but they help you know if there's ideas, storylines. I'm just in production, and I'm only speaking as a TV property. As somebody who's trying to put together a TV property, I never I've never considered Ian Rotten and IWA or any of those other local federations in our area as competition to what I'm trying to do. Those guys are they're live event promoters that have a live event. The people I work for are live event promoters that have a live event. So they are those guys are competitors. But my competitors are like Judge Judy and reruns of Lassie. Those are the <laughs> things that in my head that I have to find a way to beat so that they're getting more eyes on the product so that they do come out to the show as a lot. You know, it does increase the live gate, obviously. But I have to find ways to make my show more interesting than other things that are on at that time. And that's all I'm looking at. So, I, you know, when I judge talent, I'm not a guy that's been in the business for 45 years. I'm not going to sit there and make judgments on a guy's work or what he does and what he doesn't do in his timing. I'm trying to find the most compact characters, you know, people that can tell stories, people that are characters that I can market to, to, a, to an advertising base and to a TV crowd. And those are different things than being a wrestling promoter. I'm not a wrestling promoter. I'm, I'm a TV guy, and I have been from, from the time that I entered into the business, so to speak. I've never been... I've always wanted to wrestle. That was a childhood dream. So part of my TV deal is, you know, I've, I've, you get the bug in you. You don't want to stop. So I've, I've you know, I've, I'm trying my hardest every single day, you know, to continue to develop that part of the craft. Because to be quite honest with you, when you put a TV show on TV, you, you want to be, you know, the best that you can be. I, in my head, mm-hmm. you know, you want, to, you want to look the best. You want to train harder. You know, it, to me, once we've been on TV, it pushed me as a performer to elevate myself. So, you know, that was my experience as to where when I got to UWA, and I met the guy who runs UWA, or the, at the time the guy who was putting UWA together was a guy by the name of Skeeter Jackson. And I met him, I don't know if you've heard of him. 
He's been yeah. having some really great matches in EWA with Spider Murphy. So they've had just a phenomenal run against each other. And uh, I met him, and they put us together as a tag team out there. My name, last name was Allen. His last name was Jackson. So we started calling ourselves Team Allen Jackson. And we were the best, nice. uh, tag, yeah, the best tag team in a 100-mile radius named after a former or country music singer. And uh, <laughs> we, ended up winning the, uh, yeah, we ended up winning the XCW tag titles. And then that federation dissolved quite quickly. And, uh, I mean, they sold to another group or something. I don't even know how that worked. But he started his own thing, and then that's when he brought me in. And... Honestly, the guy is, he understands it. Him and his partners understand the difference between what I'm trying to do and what we need to do to get there and the steps that our roster needs to make. He's brought in a group of vets that have experience, not only have experience with some TV promotion in Kentucky, but also have a fire in their belly to, you know, get on TV again and to show, you know, guys like Danny Davis and those other people in Louisville that cut them too early. Hey, I still have what it takes to be on TV and be a performer in this area. So we have guys with fire in their belly in the vet department mixed in with young guys who now are like, well, this is the best opportunity we've ever had. This is going to be something that we can put our faces to and put, you know, maybe put out as a regional product. So the move to TV not only, I think, will help Pro-Live Gate, as far as motivation for our rosters, been outstanding. And I, honestly, I'm not the booker. Again, I don't bring these guys in. Talking only as a TV guy, I cannot – say enough how proud I am of every single one of the guys on our roster for the matches they put in for TV tapings because they got it. They got what we're trying to do. And now that we've, they've got it, I've got to perfect what I'm doing. And we've got, to all, we've got to keep tinkering what we're doing so we can continue to evolve what we've started. It's all very exciting. It's all very exciting. But another thing that I had to do uh, during this run to TV is I had to get, had, you know, similar to politics, we talked about politics. Wrestling is very political. Mm-hmm. And oh, how well I, I know. Started, oh, Lordy. When I started to shop uh, a TV show out of this area, out of Southern Indiana, and I don't know if you know, but in Southern Indiana and Indiana in general, it's a non-licensed wrestling state. So there's no commission, there's no license that you have to get. Over in Kentucky, mm-hmm. you have to get your license, and there's obviously, you know, if you if you get covered, you have to take it home pretty quick. They don't. There's no blood over in Kentucky. You, got, you, you have, a, I think, a 30-second window to take it home. Right, yeah, yeah, and that, honestly, it, it, you can, I mean, wrestling period, I mean, this is my opinion, I think that's what's killed in the state of Kentucky, why you haven't seen a lot of WWE pay-per-views swing on through, mm-hmm. because, you know, the wrestlers don't well, want to take time to get licensed in the state, they think it's garbage that they can't, you know, because if it happens the hard way, you still got to take it home, so if you're in the main event of a hyped-up, you know, six-month feud, and somebody gets, you know, busted open, it's it, so, I mean, and that's, yeah, that's awful. Well, <laughs> back in 2006, uh, WWE had backlash, I want to say in either Lexington or Louisville. I can't remember the town. But both Shawn Michaels and Triple H got massive amounts of color. And they paid, I think, they charged them each $1,000, and they just paid it and went on. They just didn't care. Of course, nowadays with the PG product, to, yeah. today, they wouldn't have to worry about that. But have you heard, you know why the Athletic Commission came into power here in Kentucky? Uh, I've heard it's because of Ian Rotten. Is that uh, you what you're getting ready to tell me? You are correct. <laughs> it's because of the yeah. IWA shows they had back in the day. I, I learned this from Jim Cornette. And he, he said, you know, we never had a problem with the athletic commissions until Ian Rotten started showing up in Kentucky and bleeding all over people. And well, that's, that's going to feed into what I'm talking about next because when I when I went to – because the only TV executive I ever had that was halfway interested was a guy from Channel 9, and Ian threw a table at him the only time they met each other. So at that point in time – I mean, he didn't mean to throw a table, but he did. It was, he didn't know it, but he did throw a table. But – 
you know, when I would start shopping around a TV property, I had the first thing I did was I decided that UWA was going to be where I'm going to make this play. I'm, and this is, was it, it is my last stand, Thomas. If this fails, then then I'm, I'm going to just move in back into the normal entertainment world because this is my chance to take it uh, to the next level for a promotion to take UWA and make them regional. And if TV fails, and it does, and I gave it my best shot, and I can go on to just wrestling here and there, and know that I gave it the best shot to, to try. But when I started shopping around, the first thing I did was I wanted to put it on YouTube so I could show TV executives how our, our product was. But I, it, before that, you know, I, I skipped a whole big part of the story, Tom. I, I didn't care about <laughs> it's all right. I it's all right. To, I, I, I mean, a couple years ago, after I left, I got kind of set up with here in Indiana, and I still was, as an editor, I wasn't quite, there were things I was missing as far as producing a wrestling show. And my friend Jim, who's I, got, I do a lot of the business stuff with on other videos, he was filming a uh, a burlesque show over in Louisville, which I don't know if you know the burlesque shows they run over in Louisville where they you know, get cross-dressers to lip-sync songs and stuff like that. He was filming it um, you know, for Sidney Snow, which is Al Snow's wife. And from that, he, you know, they showed him a couple of the videos they were doing, like, oh, you guys are really good editors. You know, How much do you charge for this? Oh, we don't charge anything. We just do it for fun. And that kind of built into them saying, hey, would you like to come work for OVW? And in my head, I was like, well, of course I would, because that would be like going to wrestling college for a couple of years to learn how to format and edit shows or whatever. So I did. I, I jumped on that in a heartbeat. So then I think it's December of 2012, I started working for OBW in the production department. And in exchange for that, they bought my Kentucky wrestling license for me, and they let me bump around with some of the guys and learn a few of the things, you know, learn some of the tricks of the trade with some of the guys. So it was a good deal for me. But when I got over there, we were doing production, and the first person I ran kind of butt heads with was a guy by the name of Trailer Park Trash, uh, who is Danny's right-hand man, and we were brought in specifically to do production, remember, we were to do video packages to help with their TV show, to help get things jazzed up. At the time, they didn't have anybody with an entrance video, except for Rudy Switchblade, who had done his own, and they wanted people to have entrance mm-hmm. videos because that TV set up for it. And their production company that they use, or production team, is just, they're lazy. I mean, they've ran the same commercials for like the last eight years, just changing the font on it. Um, and they don't even run a whole lot of advertisement outside of their own product. The, the TV station sells some, but they don't go out and, and pursue advertisers, you know, to turn a profit on a TV show, which is just, just lazy. Mm-hmm. So I looked at that, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll go over there and help them, you know, learn how to format television. And I was basically in, you know, OVW Wrestling Television Production College and got to learn a lot listening to, you know, Al Snow, you know, discussing, you know, we had the production meetings and to listen to how he wanted certain things filmed and how he wanted certain things to come off and how we're going to time this certain break. So I just sponging up all that stuff that I could. But at the same time, you know, I'm in production, and I would go to Danny Davis and say, well, they would say to me, you know, Eddie, we need you to do a 30-second package that highlights wrestler A versus wrestler B. So I would have to go and get DVD footage archived from their archives, because I didn't have it. I didn't work for them until, you know, a couple weeks before this. So I would go to, to Trail Park Trash, and I, we would, me and my buddy would try to get footage from them from DVDs. And he told my friend, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, just meet me up in the parking lot on Sunday afternoon. He told me it's just my buddy. He didn't show up. So I was like, okay, well, screw that. You know, I'm smarter than most of these guys in this building anyway. So I'll just pull the footage from the Internet that I need, and I'll make it. I'll just, you know, rip it from the Internet, which I did. And any video editor worth his weight is going to be able to know how to pull footage off the Internet to use. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and the next week I walked in with video footage and handed it to them, and, you know, throw apart trash, and even Danny was like, wow, you know, how did you do this? We didn't give you the footage. And I'm like, well, you know, we just did what we had to do, and, he used that as motivation just production team. See that movie? See this motivation that they have here? They're doing work and blah, blah, blah. And the real deal was Trail Park Trash kind of screwed over my buddy. You know, he drove over there to pick up footage and he didn't do it. And that happened a couple times. 
And oh, okay, well, this is ridiculous. I mean, how are we going to edit video for we're constantly? I mean, it takes an extra step, and it's just it's ridiculous. And I'm, I've always been very respectful to the wrestling crew. You know, I follow all those traditions and everything. And, and, and we were always looked at as some sort of outsiders to what they were doing because, you know, we weren't their normal production guys. And, of course, they've gotten friendly with those guys. And I guess we looked, they looked at us as, like, guys who were trying to take over the deal, which we weren't. I was just trying to learn some things. And the, the final straw, there was a really bizarre evening. I, I'm, do you, have you heard of Christian Muscagney? You know who Christian Muscagney is? Uh, I've heard of him, but I've never met him. He's a manager over there. He's one of the best managers in the area as far as getting heat. I mean, he's a he's a real-life lawyer, and he's a heat monster. And he had some issues with a couple guys backstage and was, you know, there was politics going on. And there was a wrestler by the name of Mickey McMichaels, who is a gentleman who I've been told is autistic. I don't really know, and it's none of my business, but, you know, a special needs guy that's also, you know, trained to be a wrestler and has spent a lot of money, you know, to live out the dream. And they had done something with him where they brought him out and they, they whipped him with a belt, and it caused Papa John's to lose their sponsorship. Oh, and Lord. Christian Muscagney, yeah, yeah, it was a big deal. And Christian Muscagney was a huge, huge fan of Mickey McMichaels, and they practically basically threw him under the bus and made him, you know, the fault of the reason why they lost their Papa John's sponsorship. And, you know, fired him after he'd spent a couple thousand dollars, you know, never used on TV except for getting whipped with the belt. And I'm told that fired up Christian Muscagney to the ninth degree, and he was so fired up. And earlier that night, we had done a gimmick where, you know, the normal OVW intro plays, and it's the normal OVW intro. Well, Muscagney's family, which was a group he had, a super heel group, was taking over the show. And as part of that taking over the show, me and my friend had an idea to, we were going to produce a, uh, an alternate intro you know, like what they used to do with when uh, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H were in power back in the late 90s. They had that all mm-hmm. Stephanie McMahon and Triple H intro. To tell a viewer that this is not your normal show, tonight is the night that this family is the only family in power. So we showed up with this idea. We had 30 minutes till TV started. And we told this idea today to Al Snow. And Al Snow said, let me see it. The production crew goes, you can't get that together in 30 minutes. And I said, my ass. So we went back and I put it together and I handed it to him like 20 minutes later. And they loved it, and they aired it. The regular wrestlers, the other wrestlers that were upstairs that didn't know about, you know, that there was a g- angle going on that night to where it was an all Muscagney ran show, and his family was going to be in control. So we had four wrestlers and him were going to basically call the whole the whole show. They thought that we had changed the intro because we were such Muscagney marks that my production team had changed the whole entire intro for the rest of the life of the show to be nothing but his people, and those were people that were they're polarizing. Some people didn't like them. So I had about five guys that didn't know me from Adam that all of a sudden were getting me crap about this intro that I did. It was totally within storyline, and I just played it off. I acted like it was permanent. I just was messing with them because I didn't care. I mean, I'm a big guy. I can take care of myself. So, you know, come at me and say what you need to say. But um, totally fired them up. This all happened on the same night that the, the Mickey beating and all this went down. And wow. I'm getting crap from these guys for my package. And then still yet later on in the evening, I'm, during your mission, I'm staying next to ringside. And this is going to seem like such a dumb thing. But you gotta understand that I had at this point in time I had a band, I had I had a fan base of people that would you know, that I I, I love my fans. And and this guy, just a wrestler, came out and, and told me to get away from the ring because I'm not that interesting. And I just set my camera down and walked out. Me and buddy went out, we had some beer, we got drunk that night and we basically said, F O B W, we're not going back there. You know, these guys are butts, we're going back to Indiana and we're gonna take what we've learned and we're gonna we're gonna produce an Indiana show. So as soon as that happens, uh the rumor goes out that me and my friend that was 
as I told you, we were doing video packages trying to help promote their show. We were people that were stealing their footage off the Internet so that we could sell it. Now, mind you, they had these DVDs for sale, and no one was buying them anyway, but we were selling these DVDs illegally now, and that's why they fired us. Mm. And uh, that was a way to cover their rears on the actual story, which was not at all. But us quitting on that same night gave some people this inclination that we were appalled by the the Nicky McMichael, you know, Papa John thing, which I didn't know about at the time. I was, you know, I, I didn't know that, that happened. But that we got associated with the Miscagney leaving, and from that I formed a tremendous relationship with Christian Miscagney, who is one of my better friends in the wrestling business. And, uh, you know, we laugh about this to this day, you know, that, you know, everybody thinks that we were in cahoots or the West because he got fired that night too, because he, he got canned that night as well. It's a long story short, but he didn't get fired. He walked out because he was upset with the, the Mickey thing. But that was my time at OVW. It was, it was a learning experience, and it was short-lived. And then basically after I left, they told anybody that asked that I was stealing footage for my own thing. So much like the Ian Rotten thing where I remember when somebody, you know, gives it to me. I no, I remember that one day, Davis. You know, when I have a chance and I, maybe I make a run at TV, maybe I'll, maybe I'll target you and do something interesting. So I, I came back to Indiana, and that's when I met Skeeter Jackson, back to the story where, you know, we did Team Allen Jackson. And he's mm-hmm. the guy that runs UWA. He's one of the main guys in charge of UWA. So I went in board with him, and that's where we're at today. We, we, that was back in, they started almost a year and a half ago, and we started doing YouTube shows about, uh, early this year, January, we started doing YouTube shows. And the reason I had to do that was, going back to, you know, having to be licensed in the blood chill in the area, was because when I would go to local TV sponsors, and I would say, you know, I'm trying to do a local wrestling show, the the IWA brand of wrestling was all that advertisers and TV people could think of. It was, it was just all they could think of. You know, oh, we can't put that on TV. You guys just bleed everywhere. You're going to roll in thumbtacks. You're going to run a Legos. And I would say, no, that's not us. But they didn't believe me. Even when there was a YouTube show on there, they still didn't believe mm-hmm. me because even the guys at that time had started running out of the same building as we were. And running out of the same building was two or more different promotions with different names. So they were running, you know, under this name, this name, and then their PR show. So really oversaturating the market with their product to confuse the customers as to what, you know, we there's people that would go to shows. I had fans of mine that would say, hey, is this you on Thursday night? I was like, no, it's not me. You know, this is another federation. I won't be there. You have to come on this night. So just oversaturating the, the market with this product to try to drive us out of that market because, you know, we were doing a fan-friendly show and all of his events are, you know, they're more geared towards, you know, parkour. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to get in the dirt, man. I, and I I do it again if I had to, but you know the wrestling business is dirty. I had to get in the dirt. It wasn't working what I was doing. Um, people still associated our product with this because there was a certain number of guys that would transfer over, and the area's friendly. And you know, we got some guys on our roster that are friendly with him. So, but I had to do something. I had to do something to show the advertisers and to show the TV people that our product was not only different than theirs, but we're going we're going after that kind of demographic, and we're, we're going to try to change the image of wrestling in Southern Indiana because it had become, you know, that was the image. It was, and in the early 2000s when he had C.S. Duncan and Chris Hero and those guys, it wasn't that violent. It was very technical at that time. And he did a lot of great things for the area during that period of time. you got to give him a tremendous amount of credit for what he did in the early 2000s in this area as a promoter. But as those people moved on, his, his product got more violent, which is fine. You know, he has his followers and his supporters, but it killed the area for television production. It killed it dead. And to revive that, I had to get dirty. I had to get real dirty. So there was an incident where, I don't know if you heard recently, where he brought in Jeff Jarrett to yes. the show. And there was an issue with pay. 
and he mm-hmm. went around and ended up blaming PayPal for the whole snafu. It's well, tied up in PayPal. Tied up in PayPal, which is a common excuse of this. So we used our next show on YouTube, and I did it without permission from people that you know that I was working with. So I put myself out there, and I did that to protect them because he has some powered followers. I put out a fake commercial uh, that was basically an open letter to Jeff Jarrett from PayPal saying it's not our fault that you didn't get paid. Just a goofy little 30-second spot. And we repeated it again with a second joke that says, hey, you know. And that one YouTube show basically went national. Uh, we posted it on, there's a couple national wrestling websites that had reported on the incident with Jeff Jarrett. We posted a link to our video. And within like a day, it got over like 3,000 plays. Wow. So a <laughs> tremendous, and our, our management team rightfully got nervous because there was a lot of, I don't say rightful, actually I take that back. They should have left it up. They took it down because his supporters and his, his crew started, you know, they, they went ballistic about it and, and how much of an ass I was being towards this guy. This, that, and the other. So I respect sort of to him. They took it down. I don't think they should have, I think they should have left it up. I did that. Uh, a few months later, he had an incident where he uh, allegedly, I say allegedly, but I've seen a video he did, he pushed mm-hmm. a nine-year-old girl and then shouted at like her nine-year-old brother, or maybe eleven-year-old girl, and then shouted, tested a eleven-year-old brother. Did you hear about that story? Yeah, I've seen the video. Yeah. Uh, so again, that was an incident where I was trying to sell TV time, and I walked into a business, and I was telling them what I was doing. And first thing, I didn't even hear about the story. First thing he said to me is like, "No, man, I can't, I can't associate myself with that." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Well, I just heard last night a friend of mine was there, and like some girl, little girl got pushed, and her brother got yelled at, and then they." basically ganged up the workers, came out and ganged up on the mom and cussed her out. I'm like, you're freaking kidding me. What happened? They said, well, the girl got pushed, her brother got cussed at, the mom, a bunch of wrestlers came out and yelled at her, called her a bunch of names. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what is this lady? So I looked up this lady on the Internet. It turns out, again, as I talked about, oversaturated market. Um, she was a lady who had two kids and her son loved wrestling, and you know they, WWE doesn't come in town enough, so they did some research and they were going to go to a wrestling show. This was their first ever wrestling show that they went to. And Ian does put on there, hey, you know, watch out. You know, there's going to be action in the stands. But it's fine. But, you know, it's her first wrestling show. She didn't know this, you know. And, and, and interaction with the crowd is not, you know, you expect your, your eight-year-old kid or whatever he is to get cussed at by a grown adult. You don't expect that in any environment. So I reached out to the lady. And UWA reached out to the lady and said, listen, we don't do that. We don't, you know, we don't do that. We, we're going to promote a family-friendly show, and it's in the same building. And if your kids are interested in wrestling, please come out. What we'll do is we'll give your kids DVDs. Of our product, when they come out, we'll go and meet and greet with the wrestlers. We'll try to right this wrong. And the lady came, and I met her kids who were fantastic little kids. I was told her son had actually had nightmares about the incident up until then. But then that night he went home and he fell asleep watching our DVDs. And, like, that, to me, is one of those little silly things. It's, like, one of my favorite moments in my professional wrestling career was to know that we took, you know, the negative image that was presented to him from another federation and we fixed it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, being the promotion guy that I am, I patted ourselves on the back for doing that because it was a way to show the advertisers and the sponsors that were different than what they do. When when they go out and they turn the fan away, we're going to open up the tent and say, no, this is not what this business is about. This is not what we're about. This is this is what we do. Come and watch us. And that family's been back to a lot of our shows. And I see them at the last show we did, and every time I see them in the crowd, I'm a bad guy, and I yell at them. But it still it makes me so really good to see that, you know, that that kid, because you could talk about when we first came on here, talk about first experience. And if, if you go to a show and that's your first experience where, you know, some, you know, guy's bleeding and he's yelling at your sister and he pushes, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. You don't want that to be your mm-hmm. first your first experience with professional wrestling because that's, that's what it is. But yeah, it's going to kill him. On that, 
Yeah, I attacked him on that, and and I went I went out in the mud with him to do that. But since those days, I haven't had to. Since since we've gotten on TV, I've, I've not had to do anything like that. But I would do it again in a minute, Thomas. If somebody came in and tried to, and I could see that there was a, you know, what they were doing was causing what I was trying to do to be halted, or they're halting the progress that I was making. I'll get dirty again because this business yeah. is about that. And I mean, it's nothing personal. Like I said, we met the guy one time. But, you know, this is, and this is my last shot. If it dies, it dies. I've said that. So, you know, I'm going to protect it with everything that I got so that, again, when it, if it doesn't work, I can say, you know, I'm going to walk away from it. But, you know, I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we've had Eddie, Eddie Allen on for about 40 minutes. Uh, are you okay to take some phone calls right now? You have phone calls. Mm, yes, I do. I just got, Please, I just yeah, got I would a, love to take a phone call. All right. Let me uh, advertise it out there to Facebook and Twitter and I got a couple people here in the chat room, which one of them he calls in on. Yeah. I don't know how many my shows you've listened to, but he calls in on every show. Oh, oh. Sorry, do I now? <laughs> I've got one guy. He's in. He's he's in the chat room. He's been. You know, can I call in? Can I please call in now? And oh yeah, please please. He, ca- he, he calls in every show and he talks to every wrestling guest I have. Uh, he's a cool <laughs> guy. He is one of the best fans I've ever met. Um, I'm not afraid to talk like, to anybody about my product. I love it. Awesome. Let me uh, put it out there in the chat room. And all right, if you if you're listening in and you want to f- call in, talk to Eddie Allen. It is three four seven eight five seven three one five six. Has the first show already aired? I did. It aired this Saturday. Um, one of the things I've learned, uh, we're on. Uh, a what they call a substation, and one of the things I did uh, that really irritated the folks in OBW was when I when I had a product that the TV station was interested in, I got really uh, into what time slot I was going to get. So I shopped it around, and the guy over at WBNA in Louisville, uh, he his idea, and it's smart from a TV standpoint. His idea is he wants to have a block of wrestling for advertisers that they know that there's going to be a two hour block. So he offered to put our show on right after OBW. And I pretended like it wasn't the best thing in the world to offer us so that, you know, oh, I'll think about it for a day or so. I'll get back with you. And then I called it back the next day. I was like, yes, we'll take that slide. And part of the deal was uh, we were going to get another replay. And he was like, you know, what, what time do you think would be good for a replay? I said to myself, again, you know, using the Eric Bischoff mode of just asking for whatever and maybe they'll give it to you. I said, hey, how about, you know, we go on at 11 o'clock on Monday nights right after all, you know, just see if there's people that are hanging out, they'll flip it over. Well, that's an excellent idea. Of course we'll give that to you. Yes, that is a great idea. So we, we got on a Monday at 11 o'clock. And the following week, uh, after I heard a lot of people from OVW complaining that all oh, they're piggybacking off our audience, I slipped over and found out that OVW's decided to start running at midnight on Monday nights after our show. So they're going to piggyback off our show, which is awesome. <laughs> because it is a great idea. It's a good night to build you know, an alternate fan base. And if we do decide to do a second program that may be more you know, adult-oriented, we can get away with a little bit more at the 11 o'clock hour. So, you know, just from a production standpoint, I'm thinking about, you know, ways that we can market that second hour already, which is good. So, I mean, that was that was the good news. And the other good news was originally our show was only going to be a half an hour. And I took it to the TV station in that first meeting, and they watched it with me, and they said, well, let's make this an hour. So I went in with a half-hour project, came out with an hour, came out with a TV slot behind OBW on their show on Saturday, and came out with a Monday night time slot after Monday Night Raw. And, again, people that hate the – what we're trying to do, we'll just bash and say, oh, they're just, you know, they're following 
well, yes, of course I am. I'm not stupid. You know, those are, if there's a built-in audience, why would I go someplace else? It's not, it doesn't do me any good to follow an episode of Blind Date that nobody watched. So yeah. it's smart. So they got upset about it, and they can get upset about it. But, you know, don't be upset because we're thinking on this side. I guess well, we're not used to it. The, the, well, here's my thing. If I could understand it if, like, you were trying to operate on kind of like in the Monday Night Wars on, at the same time on a different channel, I could understand the, the heat in that. You know, but if if they're at, if you're going on right after they are, what's the point in getting mad? Because it's not like you're going to be stealing viewers from them. <laughs> you know? No, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a dumb thing to get upset about. But again, like I said, there there there's people who'll say we're piggybacking off that, and I don't deny that we are. That's absolutely yeah. what I'm doing is yeah. piggybacking and off. And it's smart of you to do it. I mean, that's what well, I would do. Yeah, I mean, it was like I said, those were two things that when I asked for, if he said no, then I had backup plans. But, you know, he saw the program and he liked it, and he saw that we had our own sponsors, and he loved that. You know, being a TV guy, I like money. So, you know, if I can bring him sponsors, he'll he's he's more willing to, to, to give me a little bit more leeway with that. So, you know, I just asked for it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny when I asked for the Monday Night 11, he goes, I can't believe that, uh, you know, in 20-something years, they ain't never asked me for that. And I said, well, I can't. I can believe it. You know, sometimes these guys don't mm-hmm. really – you know, they're not thinking outside the box a lot of times. And, it, it, that is, and I haven't got the numbers back. I'm learning a lot about how local TV draws their numbers as far as how they determine who's watching. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen Anchorman with the whole, you know, the number skew could be, you know, it's not an accurate system and it's not. Yeah. But uh, our first show did really good. Our first show did on par. Uh, originally, the first numbers came in that we were beating the Ohio Valley show that same day. I think they got really close to us there the, the last time I checked. But, um and there, there's like a, a county company, Rentrack, that tracks it for local TV and this, that, and the other. And I had to do a lot of things, Tom, that I never understood about TV as far as, like, I had to learn how to, you know, I had to sign affidavits for my program for SCC responsibility. I had to learn mm-hmm. about talent releases. And that's where my wonderful friend Christian Miscaiden, who's a lawyer, has helped me kind of navigate <laughs> through those waters occasionally. When I, I don't know what the hell this means. What is this? What is this here? And he kind of explains it to me. So I'm smart enough to know where I don't know something, and I'm smart enough to ask for things that maybe I won't get just on the off chance that somebody gives it to me. Yeah. Worst I can tell you is no. All right, we got a caller. <laughs> we got a caller, 859-967. You're on the air. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good, Andrew. How are you? This is who I was telling you about, Eddie. All right. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? All right, go ahead. Uh, I got a question for you, Eddie. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what do you think about the Diamond Cartel and Scott Diamond? Can't stand him. <laughs> well, uh, those are, well, yeah, I mean, those are the best in the business right now as far as the tag team, in my opinion. Uh, Frank the Tank, for a guy his size, is a phenomenal athlete. And Stan Sierra is no slouch in the athletic department either. I mean, the guy trains phenomenally hard. Uh, I believe, I think Scott Diamond told me he trains with, like, a Navy SEAL or somebody in the Marines. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, those guys are <laughs> – that's the real deal right there. And as far as interaction with the crowd, I wouldn't want to be on the opposite side of the ring with either one of those two guys uh, personally. I would because, you know, I'm a man. But uh, yeah. Scott Diamond himself is one of the best managers you're going to find in the area. And those guys have been phenomenal for our product. They're marketable characters, and, and you hate them, and that's great because they're, they're, they're asses is what they are. But they can be because those guys will back it up flat out yeah i've been flung around the ring so many times by frank the tank it's unreal (laughs) 
Oh, I mean, for a guy that's 400 pounds, if he does uh, a centon, uh, you know, uh, from the outside of the ring to the inside. And I mean, <laughs> I'm going to ask you how many 400 pound guys you see doing that anywhere on the independent circuit. It's it's a very very good athlete for a guy size. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Andrew, like, you, got, you got one more question, bud. Go ahead. Uh, I think that's all I have. I think really, I can't. Hey Andrew, uh, I don't know if you're on our market, but our show is All on right. YouTube. If you uh, if you YouTube search uh, UWA Throwdown, you'll be able to see our programming. I appreciate you watching, man. Okay, and uh, I always get under Scott Diamond skin because when I go to UWA shows, I wear my Dolph Ziggler pink shirt. <laughs> oh, you one of our guys <laughs> in the crowd? I like it. He um, goes. There's a promotion in Georgetown where Scott Diamond and Frank also Frank would call oh, UWF. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that's where he, that's where Andrew's from. But he knew that okay. Scott uh, Scott and him had been to UWA and uh, yeah. To be honest with you, they they've came in and they dominated our tag division. They they've taken the titles from and they've had a nice run with uh, with uh, Cack and Jack, who were the champions. But uh, you know they've they've all but eliminated that threat here recently. And uh, I mean they're the real deal. That's 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 all I can say about them. That's that's a that's a tag team that you don't want to mess with. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Well, thank you for calling in. Uh, keep on listening, man. I appreciate you. Uh, you know I do. Thank you, brother. All right. All right. Uh, so um, what time? what's the date and time that UWA airs on? That way, if anybody's listening in your area and they don't know, they can check it out. Yeah. Uh, we air on Time War Cable, Channel 185. Uh, if you're over the air, uh, that's channel 21.4. And it's going to come on every Saturday at 1 o'clock. All right. Uh, we're also going to replay on the same channel, channel 185, on Monday nights at 11. Uh, we're also going to release the shows on YouTube uh, Sunday morning after the Saturday airing. So, you know, you'll have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to catch the show three different ways. So we're really trying to get it out there to as many people as possible. Uh, eventually, one of my plans is to start to ramp up the mail order merchandise so that we can start selling shirts and DVDs uh, out of our TV program. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, if you're watching on YouTube and you're out of the market, you'll see the information you need to see if you want to buy some DVDs of our back catalog. That way you can kind of catch up on some of the stuff we've done and also buy some of the other merchandise that we have available. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go on YouTube and check it out because where I li- I'm so far south, I, I don't get it. and uh, I don't have Time Warner. I have DirecTV, but... Um, is there we'll any chance? Next. That's You'll be there next. Well, I have a lot of goals now because I've learned in the short time I've learned a lot about syndication, and uh, you know there's you know there's opportunities to get on other markets, but I, I have to be smart because at this point we don't even have the Louisville and my head Louisville market locked down because if you're a Directv user, if you're an ATT verse user, you're not on. So I'm going to work here in 2015 to get them on, get us on the main station WBNA, so that there is available on. Direct TV and on ATTU verse. I'd also like to eventually branch out to Lexington, Cincinnati, maybe Indianapolis, Evansville, as far as other markets. And even if I run a show uh, at you know two or three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, try to find time slots that are original because obviously when you're in that market, you're not going to do a whole lot of ticket sales for people coming from that market. But uh, you build up a presence so that if you do decide to go to that area and run a show, you'll already have a presence out there. 
Plus, it helps with, like I said earlier, the mail order merchandise, DVDs, and, and search and stuff like that. But, you know, expand those markets because those TV towns are extraordinarily cheap because normally on there there's like a sham wild commercial or something. So <laughs> TV people want original content. They'd rather have that. Um, so throw it out there kind of like what ECW used to do back before, you know, they attempted national where they would go on and, and markets outside of their market, but they would do it at different time slots so they can see where they can build an audience because, you know, Saturday at 2 o'clock in the morning, I mean, that'd be, right there, you have people coming home with their Taco Bell, and they've been out all night drinking. I mean, that's a that's an interesting spot to promote a wrestling show. I mean, maybe people will pick up there and, uh, you know, make it one of those types of things. But it's just all about trying to, I'm not trying to become regional, but just trying to grow it and make it a vehicle, um, you know, a vehicle that we can all in UWA be proud of and something that, you know, people can see on regional standard, even if they want to get on YouTube and watch it. Where, you know, if we do decide to go to Evansville, we have a, a fan base built in or other places around here. And really, honestly, you know, to, to, to change the, the vision of this territory, and not that the territory days are dead, but to change this area as a territory, to change the southern Indian market for being known as the place where, you know, it's the blood and guts of, of rolling in thumbtacks and stuff, to making it a place where, you know, it's a different vision of wrestling. It's more of a a product that you can be proud of, so to speak, you know, I don't want to trash it, but just something that you, you know, you take your nine-year-old kids to, you know, and have a hot dog and, and not have to explain, you know, what certain curse words mean, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it, one of my most awkward experiences was, you know, early on I had my, my nine-year-old, at the time nine-year-old daughter uh, was out of the show. It was during the, that we were talking about that overly blatantly homosexual era, which I'm not, you know, against, but it, it definitely had the time and place. And just, I remember that ride home with my daughter explaining to her, you know, well, some people, you know, don't make other, you know, they don't have, the, they have interest in other people the same. You know, I had to explain to her what homosexuality was. After yeah. a wrestling show, and that's just not the time or place <laughs> to have that conversation with your kid. It's just weird. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, and not bad. I, I just want to change it. It's, it that's, that's what they do, and that's that's fine. They can continue to do that. I'm not trying to shut, no one's trying to shut their business down. UWA is not trying to, to prevent them from doing you know, any kind of match in North Cooney, you know, they run a, a strip club, which I think is perfect for their product. They should run, you know, all their shows as a strip club. It's an adult-oriented product. But that way you could avoid having kids there. If you run at bars and if you run at strip clubs, that, that's better for that kind of promotion because it makes it easier for people that want to do a different vision. It makes it easier for them to achieve maybe a different level of, of goals, you know, to take it a little bit higher than just wrestling in a skating rink every week, to make it a regional product. And, uh, you know, it's been an uphill battle, man. As you hear, I've been rambling on. I could talk to you for another two hours with stuff that I've dealt with from TV people, from promoters, from wrestlers, because some guys are on board. I've, I've had people that I respect that don't talk to me anymore that tell me that I'm going to kill the business. And I, Good Lord, I don't think I'm that powerful that I could kill a business first. And secondly, I don't see how exposing and putting guys on TV that helps their shows. If we have guys that, you know, there's been guys that said, well, you can't wrestle on this show because you wrestle for this show. You know, if you have guys that are on TV and their faces on TV in that area, how does it hurt your program if you put them on your flyer? If some kid looks at that on Facebook and says, oh, I don't know that guy. I've seen him on TV. That doesn't mm-hmm. hurt your product. It helps your product. So instead of being so, you know, narrow-minded and, 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 and just stupid, you know, think a little bit outside the box as to what, what we're doing could even in a way help benefit you if you was to, you know, stop being – you know, 1950s NWA promoter and think about 2014 social media promoting, you mm-hmm. know, 
guys get so fired up this day, it cracks me up. And I'll, this is one of the things I'll leave you with. This is the thing that when I came, and this is something I tell every single promoter that I can tell if they get it or they don't. Promoters are so hung up on hanging flyers still as their main way of promoting local independent wrestling. You go to a McDonald's mm-hmm. and you see a flyer for a show. And it's a huge war in the area when somebody finds out that their flyer's been ripped down by another federation. Well, my flyer is on television and it's on YouTube. That's how I promote the promotions that I work for. You cannot rip my flyer down. It's going to be up on my YouTube channel. You can't get in there and take my flyer down. You can't go to the TV network and take my TV show off the air. So these guys, instead of getting fired up about this antiquated way of promoting, they just need to realize that it's 2014. And with the social media, the social network, YouTube, people's attention spans, video on your phone, you know, hanging a flyer, it's good, you know, it helps, but it's also dumb to get upset about it. It it should be your main way to promote your product. It's it's old and it's stupid. So there's a lot of things that I'm doing that's different that people, when I say that, they're like, well, he's saying we're stupid. And I am. It's dumb. If you're mad because your flyer got ripped down, then you're stupid. You're, you don't understand the business today. So I helped. I used to work. The promotion that broke me in I, around here where I live, we, that was the only way we did flyers. But whenever we would get ours ripped down, we didn't really get mad. We'd just go hang up another, if we were passing by. Cause I, used to, I used to be the main poster hanger back about 10 years ago when I broke in. And, I mean, me, it, it would anger me. I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, I put that up, man. Why are they tearing it down? And most times it wasn't promotions. It was just either random people or – They could have been a kid who took it because they yeah. wanted to remember the show. <laughs> and, and then and then he, my the, my boss, uh, Rated X, if you're, around, you're ever around Kentucky, you'll probably hear of him. Uh, he, he was big back in the old MWA days around here in Kentucky. And uh, – he would just say, "Don't get mad. Just go up and hang up another poster. Worst they can do is tear it down. You, you know, you might have your poster up for two hours, and in two hours, two hundred people might see that poster." Yeah, said, that's what I mean, you got to think cheapest, about. It's the cheapest and easiest way to advertise, but it's also the easiest one for somebody to tinker with. So you're yep. absolutely right. Go hang up another one. But like I said, if that's your promotion, yep. and, you're, and you're blaming the fact, oh, we didn't do anything because Wrestling Promotion X took all our flyers down, well, you know, be a little bit smarter about things. Put promotions mm-hmm. up that they can't rip down, you know. Put something up behind a glass or something, for the love of God. But I've never ripped a single flyer down, ever in my life, and I won't. Because <laughs> it's, it's dumb. I don't, it's not competitions for me. I don't think a guy hanging up flyers that take away from my television show. As a matter of fact, he might help it because, like I said, if they see his face and they know his face is from my promotion too, you know, or, yep. you know, not my promotion, my TV show, um, that helps us. It helps everybody. So, you know, I said earlier, I think everybody's fighting over the same couple hundred fans, and, and it's true. And it don't matter. We'll just do what we need to do to kind of move forward. All right. Well, Eddie, thank you for being on with me tonight. It was a pleasure having you, man. Thank you. I know that I babbled way too much, but that's what I do when I'm excited. I would love to uh, come back on in a couple months to, to kind of talk to you a little bit more about what we learned and where we're at. Because, I, like I said, I think it's a moving. It's always going to be moving forward until it doesn't. So <laughs> until that day where it stops moving forward, I'm going to keep promoting it heavily. All right, no problem. Well, whenever I see anything on Facebook or I don't know what other social media sites you're using, but mainly Facebook is one I use. If I see anything, man, I, I don't have a problem sharing it, helping advertise it. I mean, even though I'm so far away, any little bit helps. Yeah, it does. And I, like I, said, I, pre- I really appreciate the time on here to talk about it, and uh, I hope you had a, a, a fun time talking to me because I appreciate it. It was fun. Sure did. All right, man. Well, I will have you. I will definitely lock down with you uh, at a future date on having you back on, man. All right, buddy. Uh, all right, thank you. Thanks. All right, that was Eddie Allen. 
Now, I got a special announcement to make to anybody listening in that's from this area. Um, this coming Saturday in Corbin, Kentucky at, at the Clayton Mobile Homes, United Wrestling Federation is going to be having a show at the mobile home um, place that they're at. And I'm Friday night at 8 p.m., I'm going to have a few wrestlers on with me that from that show. I know Felony Fox will probably be on, Cujo, and a few others. So tune in Friday night, 8 p.m. Off the Rails Radio is the place to be. We will see you then. fashion hotline hi i need an update haircut no my jeans they're outdated run to old navy for tons of new jean styles on sale right now old navy yes try the new rockstar 24 7 now with more stretch and comfort than ever you can feel and look fabulous plus all jeans for the whole family are on sale up to 50 percent off starting at 15 dollars for adults and from 10 dollars for kids up to 50 percent off all jeans yep say hi to new denim at old navy and oldnavy.com it's a date new jeans at old navy high fashion old navy valid 810 to 823 excludes clearance Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, I need an update. Haircut? No, my jeans, they're outdated. Run to Old Navy for tons of new jean styles on sale right now. Old Navy? Yes, try the new Rockstar 24-7. Now with more stretch and comfort than ever, you can feel and look fabulous. Plus, all jeans for the whole family are on sale up to 50% off. Starting at $15 for adults and from $10 for kids. Up to 50% off all jeans? Yep, say hi to new denim at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. It's a date. New jeans at Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 810 to 823, excludes clearance.